This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. My dear friends and brothers and sisters, <coughs> the question then is, who were the Philistines? They were an aggressive, warmongering people who occupied a part of southwest Palestine between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River. They were a war-type people. They were known for their use of iron, which was superior to the bronze that was used by the Israelites. This they used for weapons and for implements. The Philistines were infamous for their production and their consumption of strong alcoholic beverages. And ancient Philistine ruins contain numberless breweries, their ruins, wineries, as well as countless drinking vessels. And they were also noted for their own style of beautiful decorated pottery. And they were a sea-faring nation. <clears throat> they worshipped strange gods. For example, they worshipped Dagon, a fish god. And Philistine soldiers, as they went to battle, carried images. Images of their gods with them they were continually at war with Israel Israel God's chosen people this for example in the days of the judges the days of Samuel the days of Saul and of David and so this nation the Philistines were a constant threat to the Israelites they were spoken of as wanderers and the Hebrew meaning of the name Philistine means an immigrant, migratory and the word is used in the sense of rolling that is to be always on the move and the word has been used to signify to roll in the dust or simply wallowers in the dust and the Philistines lived in five principal cities to the southwest of the land of Israel and each of these Philistine cities were ruled over by a lord and we know little about Philistine towns <clears throat> but excavations near Tel Aviv have uncovered temples with pillars, large pillars to support the roofs and as we say that metal working especially in iron was a Philistine skill but apart from the documents of the Old Testament no others have yet been found which specifically mention the people 
of the districts of that time. One historian states that outside the Bible, the evidence for the origins of the Philistines are not clear. And it is the subject of considerable research and speculation. And so then, it is to the Bible we must turn to learn anything at all of the Philistine people. And if we look up the word Philistine in a Bible concordance, we will see that there are some 275 references to the Philistines that are found in the Old Testament scriptures. And so the Philistines, they were an earthly people, figuratively then wallowing in the dust, wallowing in the dust, and who mind earthly things. And the Bible speaks of such people in the New Testament. And we just quote from Philippians chapter 3. It says there, speaking of this type of people whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. And these people, the Philistines, were in the land of Canaan during the lifetime of Abraham, as the book of Genesis tells us. And these same people were sufficiently powerful to inspire fear into Israel at the time of the Exodus. At the time of the judges, they were so powerful that they were able to sustain constant raids upon Israel. And the purpose of these raids was to capture Israelites and to trade them as slaves, a practice for which were condemned by the prophets of Almighty God. There were five, <coughs> five main cities of the Philistines, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Ekron, Gath and Gaza. And the names of these Philistine centers were indicative of the nation. Because Ashdod signifies spoiler. Ashkelon signifies fire or infamy. Gath signifies wine press. Ekron signifies rooting out. And Gaza signifies strong or fortified. Each of these five cities were ruled over by a lord. Just go, if you would, to the book of Joshua, <clears throat> to the 13th chapter of the book of Joshua. We look at the opening verses of this 13 chapter of the book of Joshua. <clears throat> Verse 1 tells us, Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, 
and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. This is the land that yet remaineth, all the borders of the Philistines and all Geshura, from Sihor, which is before Egypt, even unto the borders of Ekron northward, which is counted to the, to the Canaanites. Five lords of the Philistines, the Gazathites and Ashtathites, the Eshkelonites, the Gittites, and the Ekronites, also the Avites. And so then five lords of the Philistines. And these five lords of these five main Philistine cities reign jointly over the nation. We can see this in the book of Judges and in 1 Samuel. And the word lords, the word lords as we have here in verse 3 of this 13th chapter of Joshua is from the Hebrew word serene. It literally signifies axles, axles. And so was the axle of a vehicle bears the weight of its load and turns the wheel to take it from point to point. So the rulers, the rulers of the Philistine Federation, they bore the weight of the affairs of state and directed its policy. This title being only applied to the Philistine lords. And as we say, the Philistines were warlike people. They were continually warring against Israel. We move on to the life of Samuel. Samuel, the last of the judges. And we see Israel were overcome by the Philistines. Just go over to Samuel, first Samuel and the fourth chapter. First Samuel chapter four. <clears throat> Again the opening verse tells us And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle, and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. Here in Samuel, just turn over to chapter 7. And Samuel had to bring Israel back to their God. He had to bring Israel back to their God because they were going astray from Almighty God. We'll look at verse 3. 1 Samuel 7 and verse 3. And Samuel spake unto the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Let's come down to verse 
5, And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And so we see in verse 7, And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel cried to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, for he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Just come down to verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. They were smitten before Israel. And finally, verse 13 of the same chapter, So the Philistines were subdued. They came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. <clears throat> Again, we look at Scripture, and we just have to go back here to the book of Judges. Because in the book of Judges, we read of one who was raised up by Almighty God. One who was raised up by Almighty God for the purpose of delivering Israel from these people, this nation, the Philistines. His birth was announced by an angel. He was to begin to deliver Israel. He was betrayed for some 1,100 pieces of silver. He was held up to ridicule and to mockering. He was condemned by, he was commanded by God to leave his hair uncut. He was a Nazarite from his birth. And separation and dedication are repeated descriptions of the Nazarite vow. And this man was a man who broke his vow. And yet, despite great blessings, he was constantly led astray. But he was a man of God, put there by God. And a glorious future awaits him, as we are told in the scriptures. He was a man of great strength. His strength was his hair. But Almighty God was his real strength. In his life he killed 30 men of Ashkelon, possibly wealthy Philistines. He killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of an ass. 3,000 died and probably many more when he pulled down the temple of Dagon. What did the Philistines say of this man? This man, Samson by name. He says that Samson was said by the Philistines to be their enemy. Their enemy. One who has slain many of them. And so in chapter 14 of Judges, Samson goes down 
to a place called Timnath and there he sees a woman of the daughters of the Philistines the Philistines who were an enemy unto him and again to take a Philistine girl was a violation of the principle of separation and dedication implicit in the Nazarite vow this Philistine woman is right in my eyes says Samson because she pleased him well and it's tragic that the very eyes the very eyes of Samson who lusted after the Philistine women were removed by the Philistines and chapter 16 here now in Judges Samson seeks a Philistine harlot and he falls into ambush Samson ignoring the consequences the consequences of his earlier marriage with a Philistine bride and he foolishly seeks association with a woman of the enemy camp just look at Judges 16 then and again the opening three verses verse 1 tells us then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her and it was told the Gazites saying Samson is come hither and they compassed him in and they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gates of the city and were quiet all the night saying in the morning when it is day we shall kill him and Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them bar and all and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron and so we see here then in the opening verses of the 16th chapter that verses 1 and 2 that almighty God was not with Samson he was not with Samson but verse 3 God was with him because a man could not do this in his own strength he took the gates of the city he took the authority of the city and so God was his strength and so Samson comes to Gaza it was a city in the southwest area of the land it was of the it was the most southern most of the five major cities of the Philistines it was a powerful city <clears throat> it was built like a fort with massive walls and strong iron doors <clears throat> its name means as we previously mentioned to be strong to be strong <clears throat> and we see that Samson again is led astray with his eyes he enters in into friendly relationship with a Philistine woman yes Samson he could rend a lion but not his lusts he could break his bonds but not his habits he could conquer the Philistines but not 
his passions. Samson's whereabouts circulated the Philistine towns with the hope that the Gazites would take action, that they would take action against this one Samson. And so the Philistines now realized that they could not cope with Samson by normal means of combat. <clears throat> For he can be in their very midst and still defy them. His presence was a continuing and annoying threat. And so setting a trap, hiding behind the closed gates of the city, they waited for him to emerge, that they might destroy him. But the Philistines failed. Yes, they failed. Samson carried away the doors of the gates of the city to the top of the hill before Hebron. And Hebron is about 30 kilometers from Gaza. Again, Samson's eyes led him astray. And he is involved with a woman in Sorek, this being his third involvement with a Philistine woman. Her name, Delilah. She was a woman who betrayed Samson for silver, for 1,100 pieces of silver. Look at verse 5 of this 16th chapter here in Judges. <clears throat> Verse 5 and 6 we read, And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherein thou mightest be bound, wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson makes three suggestions. Three suggestions where his great strength lie, by which means he would become weak as any other man. He suggests the use of green wits, fresh bowstrings, to bind him, as we have in verse 7. To be bound with new ropes, as we see in verse 11. And the binding of his seven locks, as we see in verse 13. All these failed. And yet Delilah still pressed him daily. She pressed him daily for the real reason of his great strength. Come down to verse 17 and 18 of this 16th chapter. Then he, Samson, told her, Delilah, all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she sent and called 
for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. His strength went from him. His strength did not actually lie in his hair or in his muscles, but in the covenant relationship with his God. This through God's power which was upon him and with his faith. It was only when God permitted it that Samson could manifest this unique strength. And the record goes on here in the 16th chapter that Samson was taken by the Philistines. They put out his eyes, they brought him down to Gaza and he did grind in the prison house. He was now reduced to the labour of slaves, obeying his Philistine overlords in the Philistine prison house. The lords of the Philistines gathered together after the capture of this one Samson. They came together to offer sacrifice unto their God. Not the God of heaven, not the true God, but a fish God. Dagon the fish God. This being the God worshipped by the Philistine people. And the name Dag, or Dagon, in Hebrew signifies a small fish, supposed to be the father of Baal. It was a national god of the Philistines. It had upper body in human form and the lower resembling a fish. And the Philistines' most famous temples were here at Gaza and at Ashdod. And so the Philistines and the lords of the Philistines were in the house making merry and making sport of Samson. But this wasn't the end of the strength of this one Samson. He asked to be guided to the pillars of the house, that great house. The house full of men and women, including the roof, some 3,000 men and women of the Philistines. And Samson goes in prayer. He goes in prayer to his God, the God of heaven. The God that could answer prayer. That this man, Samson, might be given back his great strength. And so finally, just come back in this chapter to verse 28. It tells us that, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines, he bowed himself with all his might and the house fell 
upon the Lord's and upon all the people that were, in, were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death was more than they which he slew in his life. We move on in scripture to the days of King Saul. And again the Philistines were ready to go to battle with Israel. The Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on the other side and there was a valley between them. And mountains in scripture often represent military powers while valleys are places of sorrow humility and of trial and sometimes destruction just turn forward to the book of Samuel again this time we'd like to go to Samuel 1st Samuel and the 17th chapter 1st Samuel chapter 17 <clears throat> we look at verse 4 tells us there verse 4 and there went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span he had a helmet of brass upon his head he was armed with a coat of mail the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of brass and he had greaves of brass upon his legs a target of brass between his shoulders this Goliath was a Philistine Goliath of Gath one of the principal cities of the Philistines and this giant Goliath represented the oppressor he was of the race of Rephaim of whom a scattered remnant took refuge with the Philistines after their defeats and almost exterminated, <coughs> exterminated by the Ammonites as we see back in the book of Deuteronomy the great caves near Gath are the reputed old habitations of these giants and Goliath's name means exile he was an exile from God because of sin he was a Philistine he was a wallower in the dust he was a champion one of distinction one who stands out and he did Goliath stands for all that is flesh as opposed to that which is spirit he was dressed in brass from head to toe and brass represents the flesh and this mighty champion of flesh came out into the valley between the two armies on the hillside what did he come out for? <clears throat> he came out to defy the God of Israel the one true God and this he did for 40 days and what did he cry? What did he cry? <clears throat> Look at verse 8 of this 17th chapter. 
Goliath, it says, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said, said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And so it tells us here in this chapter that when Saul and all Israel heard these words from this Philistine, they were greatly afraid. Yes, they would no doubt be terrified. No man would be able to slay this giant in their own strength. But let us not take anything away from this great man of flesh. He knew what he was doing. He was in his right mind. He wanted to slay all who came before him. If he wasn't in his right mind, then why were all Israel terrified of him? Even Saul, who was head and shoulders above all. And so this Philistine then, this giant of flesh, for that is which what he stood for, that is what he represented. He had to be destroyed by the power, but not of man, but of almighty God. And this is exactly what happened. For there was one. There was one who was prepared to go and fight this giant, but not in his own strength. It was David, a mere shepherd boy. He was prepared. And so he approaches Saul the king and he informs him that he, David, will go out and fight this Philistine. But Saul says in effect to him, he says, you can't go and fight this giant because you are but a youth. And this Philistine giant is a man of war. David then, this youth, had great faith in his God, the true and living God. And so he encourages Saul. He tells him his God had delivered him out of the hand of the bear, out of the paw of the lion, and that he will again deliver him from this giant of Philistine. This youth, David, how did he go out to fight this giant? This giant, remember, who was covered in brass from head to toe. For his weapon, David took his sling and then shows five smooth stones out of the brook. Five stones. Why five? <laughs> Goliath had some four brothers, also giants. And five is the number of faith. And that David had in his guard. Five stones from the brook that had been worked upon in the water shaping them in the water of the word. No sharp edges, but perfectly smooth, able to fly straight through the air. 
And so he put these stones in his shepherd bag. And this bag which speaks of peace. And he took his staff in his hand. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, sings the psalmist. And David goes alone to fight the great Philistine giant. But he wasn't alone, for his God was with him. And so this battle then between Israel and the Philistine took place at the valley of Elah, which means strength. For the Philistine was no match for the power of the divine. This which was manifested that day in the young warrior David. And yet this Philistine cursed David by his gods. But what does the young man of God say? What does David say? Let's come down to verse 45 of this same, 16, uh, same 17 chapter. Verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defined. And he goes on. This is the confidence of this one David. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. Thou will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcass of the hosts of the Philistine this day unto the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth. Why? What for? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David puts his hand in his shepherd bag and he takes out a smooth stone. And with his sling, it takes Goliath in the forehead. The seat of consciousness, the brain, the thinking power. And Goliath falls to the ground. David gives the victory to his God and not to himself. And so almighty God's purpose in granting victory was twofold. That all the earth may know that there is a God whose power can save his people and that he saveth not with sword and spear for the battle is God's. And so we've looked then at two men. Two men of God who put down the Philistines, this by the power of Almighty God. They both believed in Almighty God. They both put their lives in his hand. They are spoken of as men of faith. And they will live again in the future age. Because as Hebrews 11 tells us, it records their speaking of faithful men of old, including these two, David and Samson. He says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They believe fully in the God of heaven, putting their lives and trust in him. And so we say, what then of us? What of us? 
Which God do we trust and serve? Is it the gods of the Philistines? Is it a, a false god like Dagon, the fish god? Or is it Almighty God, the great creator of heaven and earth? The one God who is alive, who is without beginning or end of days, who inhabits eternity, one whom no eye has seen nor can see and live, one who fainteth not, neither is weary, one who is holy and righteous in all his ways, this is the God we should worship. This is the God we must worship. And we can remember those Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments back in that 20th chapter of Exodus. Those commandments given to Israel and to all mankind. Of which the first being, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down to them or serve them. And again, the words of Scripture, the words of Isaiah, are so plain. Speaking of the Almighty God, the one true God. For I am God and there is none else. And so then if we believe, if we believe in Almighty God, if we put our faith and our trust in Him, like those faithful ones whose names are recorded in that 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, so surely then we would want to please Him. We would want to obey Him, to try and understand what is written about Him and what is written that we should do that we might please him all our days. And again we think of scripture. He that believes and is baptised, says the scriptures, has the hope of eternal life, like those faithful ones of old. And so the answer is ours. Do we want to serve and please our God or do we want to go along like the Philistines of old, worship false gods, we make our own decision? We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Mm-hmm.